the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar-admitted attorney, and I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. Now, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law, one as a master of the laws of taxation law, and the other as a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of my great master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, who offered and continues to offer me a great educational experience, that is to say Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the mostly deserted but still beautiful streets of downtown San Francisco. Now, because of my training, experience, and most importantly, my lifelong interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I also sometimes have the opportunity to seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that's out and about today. I am, once again, so pleased to be able to come to you again today from my makeshift studios in my home in the beautiful but mostly deserted streets of Oakland, California, to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may be helpful to help you seek out and find qualified professional help. I do this each week because as I'm known for saying, Representing yourself in a legal matter is just like taking a butter knife to gunfight. If you're lucky and get real, real close to your adversary, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye. But more than likely, because everyone else in the courtroom and everyone else involved with the legal procedure will either be a lawyer or be represented by one. So you and your little butter knife 
are likely going to be dead on the arrival as far as your lawsuit is concerned. That is to say your valid claim or your righteous defense will see the promised land long before you do. So once again, I share with you the reason, the purpose for Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money or more probably the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your or your families or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening forum. So one more time, today's topic is, of course, the spread of the coronavirus known as COVID-19. But again, I want to focus on its potential economic and legal implications for individuals, families, and small business owners, and the small business owners' employees, and how much power, if any, can our government officials expend in order to control our behavior, in order to protect us from this deadly scourge, on the one hand, without unduly limiting our constitutional rights, on the other. That's a lot of that discussion is going on today. But I want to focus on the topic by analyzing a lawsuit that was filed on April 24, 2014, by a group of California businesses, the plaintiffs, challenging California Governor Gavin Newsom, California Attorney General Xavier Becerra, California's Director and Public Health Officer Sonia Y. Angel, M.D., and various city and county officials in Los Angeles, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties in Southern California, including Los Angeles Mayor uh, Garcetti, the defendants, asking the federal court to overturn the elected officials, that is to say the defendants, various orders closing the plaintiff's non-essential businesses that the elected official, again, the defendants, implemented for the valid and righteous reason to attempt to slow the spread of COVID-19. Now, the business plaintiffs state in their complaint that the elected officials shelter in place and shut down of their non-essential businesses infringe upon those businesses' civil rights and liberties under both the United States and the California constitutions. And furthermore, their complaint states, if allowed to stand, defendants' orders will not only continue to violate plaintiff's rights under both the California and U.S. constitutions, but will continue to inflict massive and widespread economic damages to plaintiff, all while unconstitutionally placing the burden of the defendant's respective orders on the backs of both small and large non-essential businesses, as such, of those that, you know, are implicating these particular businesses and causing them to have, to be financially crippled forced to shut down their doors for business and continue mass layoffs, the suit says. Now, 
My source material for today include many sources, but most prominently the shelter-in-place orders issued by Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, dated March 4th and 19th, which mandated that all people living in California must stay home unless they are needed to support critical infrastructure sectors, including food, energy, and healthcare sectors, as outlined by the United States Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Another source I'm using is, of course, the complaint. That is to say, the complaint for declaratory relief, injunctive relief. So declaratory relief, that's when you ask a court of competent jurisdiction, the, the right court, to declare something, to declare some, that someone else is doing that either correct or incorrect. So that's what declaratory relief means. Additionally, the complaint is asking for injunctive relief. That is to say, hey, you stop what you're doing. I'm enjoining you from continuing to do that. So those are the two things that the businesses are asking the federal district court to do. And they want damages. That means money. Likely they want attorney's fees and some kind of compensation to go to these businesses. Okay, so the complaint for declaratory relief, injunctive relief, and damages was filed by a group of business owners. And the title of the case is Gondola Adventures Incorporated at Al, because there were several um, different plaintiffs, versus Gavin Newsom at Al. Again, the governor, the attorney general, the leading public health officer in California, and then officials of Los Angeles and San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. And the case title, the name of the case, the number of the case is 20 for 2020, and the number is 03789 and was filed in U.S. District Court for the Central District of California, Western Division, and that's, that court is located in downtown Los Angeles. Okay, my another source uh, material I'm using or will be using for the next couple of weeks because I'm not going to try to cram everything into this week's show is our United States Constitution and the California Constitution. And I'm also using a nifty little online tool called the Interactive Constitution. And it's made by a nonprofit group, the National Constitution Center. Uh, and it's found at constitutioncenter, all one word, dot org forward slash interactive dash constitution. Now, just to level set, the interactive constitution is a nonpartisan tool that allows learners of all ages to engage in the text of the United States Constitution, discover how experts agree and disagree about its history and meaning, and explore arguments on all sides of a constitutional debate at the center of our American life. And so I don't think there's anything more important for us to discuss than what's at the center of our life right now. Now, how it works is that the National Constitution Center selects two scholars from for each of the clauses of the Constitution 
with guidance from the American Constitution Society, and that is a public policy organization made up of progressives who believe that the Constitution is a living organism that must be interpreted against the backdrop of history and the lived experience in the 21st century by ensuring that our laws are in force to protect our democracy and the public interest and improving all of our lives. That's one group. And on the other side of the political spectrum is the Federalist Society. That's the other group that the National Constitution Center uses to develop the analysis of each clause of the Constitution. Now, the Federalist Society is an organization of conservatives and libertarians that advocate an interpretation of the legal system of United States laws in accordance with the textualist or originalist interpretation of the Constitution. In plain English, they believe that the Constitution should be looked at from the vantage of the founding fathers. Some of us think that that's a limited um, um, way of looking at things, but nonetheless, by having the American Constitution Society and the Federalist Society put forth scholars to interpret the constitutional clauses it is the best way for everybody to have their their uh, positions looked at. Now, the National Constitution Center works with the American Constitutional Society and the Federalist Society to help the users of their interactive constitution because these two groups represent the polar opposite of the American political spectrum. So that each clause of the constitution each side of the scholar, they either sign off on their common interpretation or they debate what they don't agree upon. Now, when we come back, we'll continue today's important topic, coming to grips with how much power, if any, can our government officials expend in order to control our behavior in and protect us from this deadly scourge that is, you know, pervading our society on the one hand without limiting our constitutional rights on the other. But first, we'll take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our very important discussion of today's topic, which is just how much power, if any, can our government officials expend in order to control our behavior and to protect us from this deadly scourge, that is to say the COVID-19 virus on the one hand, without unduly limiting our constitutional rights on the other hand. So we were reviewing um, a, a complaint that was filed by several business persons um, against our governor here in California, our attorney general, the chief public health officer here in California, and several uh, county and city officials in Southern California, including the mayor of Los Angeles, and members of uh, the Board of Supervisors or county officials in um, the Western District of the Central District of California. So that's San Luis Obispo, Los Angeles, and Ventura counties. And they were sued uh, by a group of business persons who were not the owners of what is known as essential businesses because um, the 
shelter-in-place ordinance and orders uh, were for all of us to shelter in place unless we are a designated essential business having to do with food and, and health uh, and the like. And so these are just regular businesses, and they feel that their constitutional rights, both the Constitution of California and the Constitution of the United States, their rights for of liberty, life, liberty, and happiness and pursuit of their businesses have been infringed upon. So they're asking for uh, a federal court in uh, the Central District of California, which actually is the southern part of the state, although the, so- the southern southern <laughs> is actually San Diego. But it's Los Angeles uh, is considered uh, part of the Central District of the federal court system, and that's why the suit was properly filed there. So the way lawsuits work is, you know, just about anybody can file a complaint as long as they file it in a proper venue, proper forum, proper court. Um, and um, matters dealing with the Constitution, the United States Constitution, are properly filed in federal court. Although this also has um, California constitutional claims in it as well. But if the primary thrust of the lawsuit is dealing with matters that are uh, held by uh, our, our federal government, such as our Constitution, the proper venue, the proper form is the district court, and the venue, which is the place within the in the court, uh, the central district, because the counties involved are in the Los Angeles area. So the plaintiff, when you file a complaint, there's you know it's a certain language, a, a certain structure of the lawsuit. And you make introductory statements and you cite the proper reasons for venue being proper. Uh, but for the most part, the most important part of the complaint, that is the initiating document in a lawsuit, are the factual allegations that are claimed by the person who feels that he or she has or it has been harmed by the party that they're suing. And so... In this instance, the plaintiff has listed, you know, pages of uh, factual ag- allegations, and I, I, I won't go through all of them. But in some, uh, they're saying based on who's been harmed. One of the businesses is a, a restaurant. Another one is a gondola service. Uh, they're the the lead uh, uh, um, a plaintiff, and they they can't, you know, gondola service to some is not considered a an essential business. But they're alleging that they have been discriminated against. Uh, So now they're losing business uh, and money and the ability to pay their employees. And that, in their mind, gives them the right to uh, sue our our governor and other officials uh, over this determination. So accordingly, business owner plaintiffs complain against the state and local government official defendants and each of them for a violation of the Federal Civil Rights Act. And that's found at 42 of the United States Code in Section 1983. And that's how civil rights lawsuits are commonly denominated as Section 1983 lawsuits. And um, these business owners are uh, alleging in their complaint against the governmental officials. And they they state them specifically and succinctly. They um, want uh, the court to declare, that's the declaratory relief, 
and enjoin, that's the injunctive relief, the enforcement of the following orders. Defendant Newsom's executive order in 3320 issued on March 19, his executive order where he shut businesses down. Defendant Dr. Angel, remember she is the chief health officer of California. So defendant Dr. Angel's designation of essential critical infrastructure workers issued on March 22, 2020, with references to defendant Newsom's executive officer issued at three issued three days prior as part of the executive office. So she, she Dr. Angel, gave the health-related uh, rationale for shutting businesses down because they're not part of what is considered essential critical infrastructure workers, food workers, um, uh, health and safety workers, and, and the like. Also, defendant Garcetti's civil order. Mr. Garcetti is the mayor of Los Angeles. His civil order issued on March 15, 2020 for the Los Angeles County, the Garcetti order. Defendant Ferrer, Dr. Levine, Dr. Quick, Kaiser's orders issued on March 17. Those are the county uh, officers who uh, issued orders concerning the need to shut down for public safety reasons. Now, the plaintiffs go on to say in their complaint, plaintiffs have standing to bring Section 1983 claims, remember those are civil rights claims, since they are aggrieved, in fact, businesses that are the subject of enforcement of overly broad and unconstitutional executive, Garcetti, so executive means um, uh, Governor Newsom, statewide um, orders, Garcetti, means Los Angeles orders and county orders. Those are all of the county officials, boards of supervisors, and their chief medical officers who saw fit to have these orders implemented, which have the effect. So, so let me stop standing, standing. Okay, so stand, you, you can sue, but your case is going to get the boot unless you have standing. That is to say there is an actual case in controversy against another party or parties, and you have a vested interest in that, and uh, therefore you have a right to seek relief. So in your lawsuit, you have to touch all these bases, proper um, court, venue, amounts, if there's some amounts. But one of the principal reasons is standing. You You are a valid plaintiff who's been harmed by named and sometimes unnamed defendants. And so um, that's what you have to show in your pleading that you have standing. And so the standing here for the civil rights violation claims is that they are, they are there's an actual controversy and they have been harmed by the actions of these government officials. The defendants, the plaintiffs go on to say that the defendants' orders are in violation of Section 1983, as is the enforcement of these orders by defendants in other, uh, they're also saying the county sheriffs are defendants because they're the ones that are uh, overseeing, uh, um, making sure that businesses are shut down and people are sheltered in place. So they're suing them as well, uh, which, and they want them to be enjoined under Section 1983 due to the following circumstances. 
They say that the orders plainly violate the due process and equal protection clauses of the Fifth Amendment due process equal protection. So I'm going to go into greater detail next time we get together of, of the uh, clauses by looking, walking us through some of the interactive constitutional issues. But with that said, we're going to leave it there for now and pick up next time by looking at each of the business plaintiff's claims by contrasting them to their alleged constitutional basis. But as always, in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when we want to keep our families and businesses safe within the bounds of our most important governmental documents, the U.S. and California Constitution. So until next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 